This is Weon, and you're listening to Gravitas Podcast, making sense of the news. Putin's proxies are on the march. They've got a republic. They've got Russian military support. Now the battle begins. Russian soldiers are freely roaming in Donbass. Their tanks are rolling down the streets. This is not Russian support. This is a Russian occupation. Putin has got the license from his parliament. Russian troops have been cleared for foreign deployment. Their destination, Donetsk and Luhansk. The two rebel republics recognized by Vladimir Putin, these regions do not have borders. They have what they call a conflict line. To the west is territory under Kiev. To the east is rebel land. And remember, this is a conflict line. The rebels actually claim a lot more territory. Territory that is now under Kiev's control. Until now, they did not have the means to push on. Yes, Russia was supporting them, but that was covert. Putin had to pretend that he also backed the Minsk agreement. Now there's no such issue. He can openly invade. The question is, how does the West see it? And the answer depends on which leader you talk to. Listen to this. This is the beginning of a Russian invasion of Ukraine, as he indicated and asked permission to be able to do from his Duma. So what we see now is that a, a country which is already invaded uh, is suffering further invasion. We've seen Vladimir Putin's recognition of the so-called republics uh, in the Donbass region. And we're seeing all the precursors to a serious invasion, claims of Ukrainian troops doing sort of operations, so-called false flags. All this talk about Western solidarity and they can't even agree on something as basic as this. Is this an invasion? Biden says it is the beginning of an invasion. NATO says Russia has already invaded. The UK says this is a precursor to serious invasion. Let's make it simple for the West. Invasion is not like skin tan. You don't have different levels or different intensity. If a foreign country enters into another without permission, it is an invasion. It doesn't matter how big the operation is. An invasion is an invasion. And playing around with this definition is dangerous. Until last month, Joe Biden agreed. He was all aggressive and bold. Listen to what he said on the 20th of January. Uh, I've been absolutely clear with President Putin. He has no misunderstanding. If any, any assembled Russian units move across the Ukrainian border, that is an invasion. We've got news for Joe Biden. Russian units have moved across the Ukrainian border, but America's response is half-hearted. Joe Biden unveiled four major economic sanctions. We'll discuss that in a bit. But he also said that more sanctions were in the pipeline. Those sanctions will come only if Russia escalate. If not, end of story. And this is precisely what Vladimir Putin wanted. He wanted to test the waters to see how the West would react. And what he's got is a feeble response. Washington is saving the painful sanctions for later. Europe is not willing to leverage gas imports, so all eyes are now on Putin. Does he still want to push ahead? Or does he want to consolidate? Our country stays open for direct and honest dialogue for the search of diplomatic solutions for the most complex issues. But I will repeat, Russia's interests, our citizens' safety are absolute. So we will continue strengthening and developing our army and navy, increasing their efficiency, providing them with the most advanced equipment. 
another twist. He wants dialogue. Last time Putin pushed for talks, his demands were designed to be rejected. This time it's more of the same, you could say. Vladimir Putin has three demands for Ukraine. Number one, recognize Russian sovereignty over Crimea. Number two, drop the plan to join NATO. And number three, partially demilitarize. These demands are also designed to be rejected. No Ukrainian leader can accept them. And Putin knows this. He knows that Volodymyr Zelensky will not accept these demands. So his real strategy is not talks. It is the battlefield. We've got more satellite pictures from Ukraine. What do they show? More deployments in two sectors, Belarus and Western Russia. In Belarus, more than 100 military vehicles have arrived. Dozens of tents have been pitched on an airfield. This is less than 40 kilometers from Ukraine. In Western Russia, the deployments are in Belgorod. More artillery has arrived. Field hospitals have been set up. Belgorod is less than 20 kilometers from Ukraine. Basically, we're seeing a military operation unfold in real time. Each time we check, the Russian deployments swell. More troops, more tanks, more field hospitals, and each time they're closer to Ukraine. How does Kiev plan to repel this Russian juggernaut? President Zelensky has two concerns. A, he must not create panic and alarm. That's the last thing that Ukraine needs. And B, he must continue to build up his military strength. So Zelensky has adopted a middle path. No general mobilization, only reservists will be called up. There is no need for the general mobilization today. We need to bring up the Ukrainian army to its full strength and other military units in a speedy fashion. As Commander General of the Armed Forces of Ukraine, I issue a decree to recruit reservists during a special period. Ukraine's Security Council has also declared a state of emergency. Again, this is a preventive measure. More border checks, more restrictions on traveling. The emergency is expected to last for 30 days. How is the West helping out? Joe Biden did announce more military assistance for Ukraine. He also redeployed U.S. forces in Europe. 800 soldiers will be moved from Italy to the Baltic region. And eight F-35 fighter jets will move from Germany to the eastern flank. So both Russia and NATO are flexing their muscles. Let me show you what Eastern Europe looks like right now, starting with Russian deployments. They've got 10,000 soldiers, 60 aircraft, 140 ships near, the, near Crimea in the south. To the north is Belarus, where they have 30,000 odd soldiers plus Iskander missiles and Su-35 jets. To the east is the rebel-held region. This is where the big boys are deployed, around 110,000 Russian soldiers. You've got field hospitals, tanks, everything needed for a bloody battle. On the western flank is NATO. How do they stack up? Around 6,900 soldiers in Poland, 1,600 Lithuania, 1,200 each in Latvia and Estonia, and 900 in Romania. That's a lot of firepower encircling Ukraine. Where does that leave diplomacy? Hanging by a thread. Earlier today, the presidents of Poland and Lithuania visited Kiev. Ukraine had a clear demand from them, specific and immediate security guarantees. What did they actually get? A proposal to make Ukraine a European Union candidate. It may sound path-breaking, but Ukraine's immediate concern is not its econo economy, it is the security. And on that, the European Union cannot help. Only NATO can help. Meanwhile, U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken has cancelled his meeting with Russia's foreign minister. The Biden-Putin summit is not happening. Looks like diplomacy has largely been abandoned. Instead, both sides are opting for coercion. Putin with a military buildup, 
Biden with sanctions. So this conflict is not going away anytime soon. Russia will keep bleeding Ukraine with insurgency. The West will keep sending weapons. The question is, who has more patience? Putin, whose only obsession is Ukraine, or Biden, who is dealing with Ukraine, Iran, and China at the same time?